As I began to think about what I wanted to talk about and began to pray about what God wanted me to talk about, I guess more importantly, have you ever thought about how many decisions you make every day? Your day and your life is full of decisions. And the more that I begin to think about that, the numbers kept growing. And you start with that. I mean, you get up in the morning and you have to decide, am I going to get up? Am I going to get out of bed today? Someday that's an easier decision than others. But you get up. After you get up, most of us probably go to our closet. What am I going to wear today? Benign question, not really all that important for me. I get up and I go to my closet. I think I'll wear the gray shirt that says York University, the Wranglers, and the black boots that complement the ensemble so well. <laughs> right? For me, that's not much, but for some people, I had a friend in college. She knew what she was going to wear every day of the week. It's funny because she could even point out outfits on campus that other people were wearing that belonged to other people. <laughs> it's just crazy, the mind of some people. But you make the, all these decisions, and some decisions are not that big, and some decisions are bigger. What am I going to eat for breakfast? Maybe it's not all that monumental. Am I going to class? Am I going to do my homework? Where am I going to go to university? Am I going to go to university? Am I going to study? What, what job do I want to pursue for the rest? Those, those questions are a little more important, are they not? You start getting into relationships, and you start entertaining the idea of maybe marriage someday. Who might I marry? Where might I live? What might I do? Today, I want to spend just a little bit of time with you and give you four questions that I believe are the monumental biggest questions you will ever ask yourself. And by wrestling with and listening to others and, and, and talking and working through things, you're going to come to your answers to these questions. And these are going to be your answers. But the way you answer these four questions, I believe, will set your filter for life, your lens for life. How you view life and how you answer all other questions are based on these four questions. I came to school here at York College in the fall of 1986. Packed up all my stuff, drove to York, same year that Clark started. Uh, can I say Clark, Dr. Roush, Dr. Clark? After I graduate, I'll try not to go along, but talking always makes me think of other things. After I graduated as a student, I had Dr. Frank Wheeler, he's gone now, as a professor for all those years, and we were at break, right? That, the summer after I graduated, I got on staff to mow lawns and trim and take care of campus. And we went to break, and I sat next to Dr. Wheeler. And I said, good morning, Dr. Wheeler. And he goes, you can call me Frank. And I looked at him, I said, I don't think I can. <laughs> Same time as Dr. As Dr. Rausch here. Uh, so I came down, and I grew up in a Christian family. And I imagine in this group here, we have some of you that have grown up in the church. You've grown up in a Christian family. You're familiar with all this religious stuff. But some of you here have probably never darkened the doors of a church building. I'm just guessing because of the size of the group and the dynamics of the university and where we all come from. There may be some of all of those here. But we all have to answer these questions. And it will direct the path of how you answer all other questions in your life. I came to school. And I grew up hearing about God, going to Bible class. But I had to wrestle with my own life and my own beliefs now that I'm launching out. And the first question that I really had to solidify in my life is the first question I want to ask you. Is 
there a God? Can you logically and intelligently come to the conviction that there is a God? And it's probably pretty obvious to you that which way you answer that is going to direct the way you answer all other questions. But can the wise, can the smart, can the intelligent believe in a God that you cannot see? You cannot touch? And although I grew up hearing that there is a God, being taught that there is a God, I still had to wrestle with that. Is this my faith? Do, does Eric believe in the existence of an almighty creator who spoke the world into being, who sustains life on the planet, who has a plan for my life, who knit me together in my mother's womb, do I believe that in my core? Or is this just all kind of make-believe? Is it something that we've made up as a people to comfort ourselves? Does it make more sense for things to be, to be happenstance? And we're the product of chance, the product of random mutation, with no really point or purpose when all is said and done. I want to encourage you to ask yourself, honestly, and we can't do this, we can't do this all in chapel this morning, really cover these in depth as I would like to. We could spend a semester talking about and testifying, is there a God? Can we believe there's a God? But I wrestle with that as a student and as a young person launching. And to me, it made a whole lot more sense that there is a plan for my life, that there is a creator. Just take a look at the world around you and the complexity of creation. There has to be a designer, I decided in my mind. There has to be a creator. And God, the God of the Bible, fit that bill. He spoke the world into being. He's got a plan for my life. He gives me hope and a future. Question number one I want you to seriously consider, which will reflect how you answer all the questions in your life, is, is there a God? Can you come to the point in your life where you can believe and firmly believe and establish, is there a God? You've got to start there. Because all other questions don't really matter in this discussion if you can't come to the belief that there is a God. So whether you've been a Christian all your life or you're just now entering and contemplating the question, ask yourself, is there a God? Second question, is this his word? Is the Bible the inspired words of the creator of the world? This question has to come second, because if you don't believe the first, this doesn't really matter. It's no longer relevant. It's a piece of literature, which can be studied as a piece of literature. It's got all kinds of different genres and writings and styles and authors. It's a good book. It's been on the best-selling list forever. But is it the inspired word of God? Did God work through all these different people to give us a guide for life? Can I believe that? Can I take hold of that and firmly hold on to that? Is it true? And I think you can do a lot of study. You can go a lot of different ways. You can talk to a lot of different people. You can talk about the number of manuscripts that this book is based on. And compare that to some other books in life that people accept as authentic written by the writer, they don't have half as many manuscripts as the Word of God does. Think about how many different people wrote this book. 
Yet it is a complete story from Genesis to Revelation that is connected and intertwined about God's love story for his people. But you've got to decide for yourself whether that is true or not. I look across this audience, I can see some people that I know believe that it is true. And they're in it every day. And it is part of that lens at which they look at life and answer questions and make decisions. Is this the word of God? I believe that it is. And I believe that it is inspired. The evil one likes to destroy that. He likes to destroy faith. If he can't get you from, from believing in God, if he can get you from believing that this is really what it says it is, he can, he can derail you there. Did the Israelites really walk through the Red Sea on dry land? That's impossible. Did God really speak the world into existence? That's impossible. Did Jonah really get swallowed by a big fish and remain in the fish's belly for three days to be spit up on land again and be okay? <laughs> That's a fairy tale, is it not? When you read fairy tales and you look at things, it's got a lot of those elements, right? What's the difference? This is true. If the God who spoke the world into existence cannot do those things, then where are we at? Is there a God? And is this true? I want to encourage you to wrestle with those two questions. How you answer those will directly impact your focus on life, your view on life, the lens at which you see the world, and how you make decisions. It will even influence your decision to get out of bed on a base level. I'm going to get out of bed today because I have obligations. I have classes to go to. I told these people I will do that. Because God's called me to be a man of integrity, I'm going to get out of bed. You see how that works? Clear up to the major decisions. Who am I going to marry? What am I going to do as a profession? Where am I going to live? Those two things are critical for how you look at life. Two more questions I want to leave you with, which are really on a much more personal level with you and God. But they will affect how you view life. We talk about how this is a story from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation about God's love for his people. And how God, from the very beginning, put a plan in place to redeem his people. I believe that the story in Genesis is true. Where God made Adam and created Eve, placed them in the garden. And you know the story, most of us. The evil one, the tempter, came and was successful in tempting. And was successful at separating God from man because of sin. But even before the creation of the world, God had a plan. And the next two questions I want you to ask and to consider, seriously consider in your life are these. Who is this Jesus? You wrestle with the first one, that there is a God, and if you can come out on top and say, I think I do believe in a God. I think I do believe in the existence of a God who loves me and has a plan for me, and he's given me a guide. Get into that guide. And this love story will lead you to the part which culminates God's love story for his people. And that is in the man, Jesus Christ. I believe that he is real. 
I believe the words in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Jesus has been a part of this plan for eternity. I believe in the love of God for his people and for me. As I came to college as a freshman, I had to wrestle with that. Is that true? Is what my parents told me true? Is this real, this faith, this Jesus, this salvation stuff? And because of my time, particularly here, and my friends and the faculty and the staff pouring into me, they helped me confirm that. I do believe in this Jesus. I do believe that he is the Savior of the world. I do believe John 14 when he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through me. I want you to consider that in your ponderings and in your questions. And that leads me to the fourth question. And I hope you can make this journey. And I, I, I wanted to do this particularly because you all are where I was. You're in a prime place to ask these questions. And don't just settle on a pat answer. Well, I guess I need to believe in God. Everybody else here believes in God. Search it out. Try it. Talk to professors. Talk to friends. Talk to people. Get in the word. Get it solidified in your mind and in your heart. But don't leave Jesus out of that equation. He is life. And he is the source of life. And only in him can you have access back to the Father. Is there a God? Is this his inspired word? Who is this Jesus person? And if you make it that far in the journey, don't stop short. Because the question for you is, what are you going to do with Jesus? Thank you for your time.